So I work in a pretty busy part of my city, and when we close, and I begin to drive home towards the less busy neighborhoods, I will occasionally catch a car behind me that follows me almost all the way home. Not every time, but always the same car, a mid-sized silver SUV. But every time, right before I go from aware to hyper-aware, they turn off onto a side street. We're talking about going from 41st street to like 8th through several turns and the car's generally a car length behind me. Tonight is a Friday and folks are being dicks, tailgating, honking on a busy road. I almost get rear-ended before I turn off towards the residential part, but I don't think too much of it until I realize that the car that almost hit mine is now a half block behind me. The car follows me, again, a half a block behind, but they keep flipping their brights on. At first, I think it's an optical illusion, like when you crest a hill and the road ahead gets brighter for a second, but then I realize it's consistent on flat roads. So I think, shit, my lights aren't on? But nope, they were. Now I'm moving from hyper-aware to scared, I turn onto my cute little street and they have shortened the distance to a car behind and follow my turn. Of course, I drive past my house thinking about what busy gas station I will be driving to while I call the police. Then the car is gone. One last bright flash and then they fucking disappear. I circle the neighborhood twice hoping it's just a neighbor but nope, the car is gone. And I hope to the gods I don't see them tomorrow. At the time, I assumed that they were after me, but looking back, maybe they had something else worse in mind. I was sitting at a public park, eating some food from the bakery. I was with my one-year-old, and she was in her stroller. I didn't have a car at the time, so we walked to the park, which was a 20-minute walk or so. I did notice two men in a little truck pass by me and look at me while we ate. No big deal. And then, they passed another time. I still don't think too much of it until my walk home. I was at the park for a while, so when I saw them again when I was walking home, alarms did go up. Why were they still driving around? A lot of people drive through the park, as it's a public park, but for that long? As I walk down the long street towards what turns off into mine, I see them sitting there on the side of the road just ahead of me, obviously waiting for me to pass. So I turn back to the park and decide to take the long way into the neighborhood. As I walk a bit into the neighborhood, I just happened to turn around to see them stopped looking at me. It was extremely hot outside and I hated not having a car, so needless to say, them forcing me to take the long way home by being creeps pissed me off. It was a dumb decision looking back, but I stuck my middle finger at them. They took off, so I continued walking down the street until I actually saw them at the end of the street I was on. It took them a minute or two to get there, so I thought I was in the clear. I panicked and actually knocked on someone's door. The lady had her husband give me a ride home and he searched for them before dropping me off. Sadly, I didn't see them again. I was actually starting to cry and was really scared by the time I knocked on the door, but since the guys disappeared, I wonder if they thought I made it up for a free ride home. I never saw them again and I avoided the park for a while. There were two guys sitting in a two-seater little truck so I'm not sure if they were harassing me for fun or had plans to kidnap us in that teeny truck. I will never know. Being followed was extremely scary though, and especially having my baby with me. 
I always assumed that they were after me, but maybe they actually wanted to kidnap my baby. They might have just been messing with me, but either way, it was a very scary experience. The events I'm about to tell you happened when I was just 18 years old, fresh out of high school, living on my own for the first time in my life. Looking back at the situation in hindsight, I should have gone to the police. I worked at a children's clothing store called Justice. I was working a typical shift, 8am to 4pm, when a pretty atypical customer strolled into the store. Right off the bat, he gave me major creep vibes. He was a dirty, smelly, upper-middle-aged balding guy who didn't even have a child in tow. Definitely not something I'm used to seeing in this particular store. He didn't seem generally interested in the merchandise, only showing interest in the few of the displays anytime I would look over at him. I could feel his eyes on me as soon as I would go back to stalking. The manager, also picking up on his sketchy vibes, scared him off with her aggressive hospitality. I found it super weird that he refused to make eye contact with her while she asked him if he needed any help finding anything. He just shook his head and said no and left in a hurry. I saw him walk past the storefront once or twice after he left, but since this justice was located in a small strip mall, it wasn't that weird so I didn't give it a second thought. I made a mental note of it though, since at this point the whole staff had been talking about the greasy odd sketch ball. And my manager, who had been equal-eyeing him the whole time, pulled me aside and confirmed to me in private that my suspicions had been correct. He had been staring at me the whole time I wasn't looking at him. That had happened considerably early in my shift, and by the end of the day, after dealing with multiple Karens, the sketchball was far from my mind. I clocked out, headed out into the parking lot, got in my car, and started driving the 7-mile drive home. About halfway home, I looked in my rearview mirror to see a white truck with a plow on the front of it, right behind me. The only thing that struck me as odd at first was that it was midsummer, and this person had a plow on the front of their Toyota. The windows were tinted so dark that I could barely make out the outline of the driver. Suddenly, I got a sinking feeling as I remembered the sketchy greasy guy. I decided to see if I was just being paranoid, or if this person was trying to follow me. I'm sure I'm not the only paranoid person who has tried to make a bunch of nonsensical turns to shake off a theoretical tale. Only, unlike other times when I played shake the tail, this person actually managed to stay on me. After about the fifth turn down a random avenue, my gut twisted into knots as I watched the Toyota slowly creep around the corner I rounded. I had circled the block twice, and still the white truck with a plow and tinted windows was behind me. Just far enough away that I still felt like I was being just a little crazy. I decided to try one last test to determine for sure if this was just a trick of my imagination or something to actually be worried about. I winded my way out of the avenues and decided to pull off the side of the road into a little turnaround beside a local bar. I was hoping and praying with all my might that this truck would just go by, still clinging to the slimming chance that this was all in my head. I let out an audible gasp as the white truck slowly pulled up right behind me now. I saw the driver's side door open and floated out of there before I saw anything else. Heart racing at this point, I floated back up a different set of avenues, finally stopping at a stop sign when I felt that I was in the clear. To my horror, I heard the haunting roar of the engine with a pedal to the metal 
Seconds later, seeing the white truck with the plow on the front coming so fast up the avenues that it launched slightly into the air as it passed me at the intersection, flying down a particular no outlet road. I took my chance and turned left onto the road that the truck had came from, figuring that they were going to have to turn around in someone's driveway before continuing the pursuit. I drove white knuckle clenching the steering wheel the whole way back to my town, constantly checking my rearview mirror for the white truck that I never saw again. I even circled my own block for an hour after that, fearing that the person was somewhere, watching me, waiting to see which house I pulled into. Once the situation was over, I naively brushed it off without so much as a police statement. The more time went by, the more the whole situation seemed like a bad joke. I never found out who was in the truck. That person might not have been the greasy guy after all. At the time, I didn't take the incident very seriously. When I got home, I told my boyfriend at the time, and he shrugged it off, so I did too. It wasn't the first creepy thing to happen to me, or the last. Disturbing you to think it's not uncommon for young girls and boys to find themselves in similar situations. There was this girl in my neighborhood who I had been friends with since the fourth grade when I switched school districts. She was a grade below me and seemed like a nice enough girl. We talked on the bus frequently until I didn't see her for a year when I went up to middle school in sixth grade and she was still in fifth. I didn't see or hear from her in that stretch of time. When her and I finally crossed paths again, it was on the bus just as it had been before. At first, she seemed like the same friend I used to know. We had definitely drifted apart, but I tried to make up for the lost time. I soon came to the realization though that she was a bit weirder than the last time we talked. She acted strangely, constantly trying to strike up conversations or poking her head up over the bus seats like a gopher looking at me. I was really weirded out and tried to cut down the verbal conversations with her to the bare minimum. You'd think that this was just a normal goofy middle schooler acting like they always do and that things can't really escalate. I thought that too, that is, until her brother came into the picture. We'll call the girl Jenny, and we'll call her older brother Jake. Now, Jenny was a year younger than me, but her brother was three years older than me. He was a 10th grader at the time. A year before, I had sat on the bus with Jake since some idiot decided to steal my seat when I got on at the end of the day. At first, I thought I would be fine, and maybe I'd get along with him. After all, he was known to be a decent kid who was super nerdy and introverted, much like myself. The thing is, I didn't know to what extent this was true. Within minutes of me sitting there, he was trying to tell me nerdy jokes, and believe me, it wasn't as fun as it sounds. They were so dry and bland, it was painful. I kept checking my phone to see what time it was because I couldn't wait to get off the bus and get away from this guy. I myself was awkward but not nearly as awkward as this dude. When the bus finally got to our stop, I hightailed it out of there and never sat with him again for the rest of the year. Even when it came to a day where there were two people already sitting in my seat, I squeezed in. But anyways, back to 7th grade. So not only was I trying to avoid contact with Jenny, now her brother comes into play. Somehow, over the last year, he started to develop somewhat of a obsession with me. I didn't want to believe it at first, but the signs became clear pretty quickly. One day, Jenny's head popped over the seat and she told me she wanted me to draw a portrait. I asked her of who and who it was for. 
Her response made my blood run cold. Jake asked if you could draw him a portrait of yourself. He would like to have a picture of you, and he knows that you're an artist. I have always been the artsy and creative one in my school, even being voted most artistic of my senior class this year. It came as no surprise that he knew I was great at drawing. It did surprise me though that he wanted me to draw a picture of myself for him. I mean, who does that? Who even asked for that? That's just really weird and immediately raised red flags in my head. I told her no, that I wouldn't, and she told me that Jake would probably be upset. I wonder why he wouldn't just ask me himself, but heck, he probably knew my answer would be no. He might have even figured it would sound creepy if he himself were to directly ask that of me. It didn't stop there though. There was a few other times like that where Jenny would ask me something that her brother wanted to know. I would rarely give her answers, and if I did, it was a vague one at that. Then, I became more observant on the bus rides to and from school. I would be sleeping with my head propped up against the window, when suddenly I would wake up because I felt as if I was being watched. I would turn around and sure enough, Jake was staring at me with a blank expression. I tested this, just to see if it was a one time occurrence. Over the next few weeks, I would spontaneously whip my head around at random times to see if he was looking at me. Each time, I caught him in the act. His dead blue eyes intensely gazing at me, his face devoid of emotion. But a few times, I could have sworn I saw a smug look behind those piercing eyes. It was at this point that I began to feel that the bus was not safe. This guy was seriously weirding me out, and there was no end in sight. My grades began to suffer in school, and at the time, I thought it was because I didn't grasp the concepts in class. But looking back on it, this probably factored into it. One day, things went too far. The bus pulled up to our stop to let us off for the night, and I immediately started speed walking as soon as I hit the street. My house was up on a long stretch of road uphill, and then I would turn and go up an even longer hill of a driveway to reach my house. Therefore, I had quite a trek before I reached the safety of my abode. So I'm speed walking up the street when all of a sudden I hear Jenny call out, Hey Jimmy, you better run. I was extremely confused, then I saw him, running across the three set of yards. Jake sprinted over to me from his house, which was diagonal from mine, about a block away. I freaked out and walked even faster. I don't know why, probably because of my fear, but I couldn't run. He caught up to me and slowed down, walking beside me. In his terribly awkward manner, he tried to make small talk, but utterly failed. I can't even remember what he said, probably asking me how my day was, but I didn't care. I just wanted to get away from the stalker. He kept walking with me up the street, even when I crossed the road to the stretch that led to my house. For some reason, my brain wasn't functioning properly. I prolonged my experience by stopping at our mailbox to see if there was mail. Grabbing the newspaper, I told him that I had to go, and then I walked to the edge of my driveway and started hiking up. He watched me for a few seconds before shouting goodbye and dashing back across the street. As soon as I knew he was gone, I started running full speed up the hill to my house, unlocked the door, and threw myself inside. I ran upstairs to where my mom was sitting on the couch in the living room and had a breakdown. I was in tears, terror filling my brain not knowing what to do, and spilled everything to my mom. I had kept her up to date with the weird going-ons, and at this point, she had decided it didn't warrant anything needing to be done. 
but him following me to my house, that was enough for her. She called my school and immediately got the vice principal involved, who also filled in the main principal. The vice principal told my bus driver, who then switched my seat to be closer to her, and forbade Jenny and Jake from talking or sitting near me on the bus from then on. The main principal then contacted one of the assistant principals at the high school and had him pull Jake out of class and question him, while he pulled Jenny out of her class to do the same. Both my parents and their parents were called in for a meeting, and to our horror, his parents even knew about it. They said for months now, Jake had been obsessing over me, confirming what we all thought. No matter what they were doing, whether it was eating dinner or relaxing, he only ever brought up one topic, me. Ultimately, two conclusions were reached. Jenny was really just a pawn in Jake's weird obsession and hadn't really done anything wrong besides just being a strange girl. Jake, while his actions had seemed suspicious and creepy to my friends, parents, and myself, were deemed as the actions of a socially awkward high schooler who was harmless. They figured that all he was was just a guy who didn't know how to make friends and found someone who he wanted to be friends with but didn't know how to go about it. I just found it strange that they said this, all while knowing that his parents had admitted they were scared by how obsessed he was of me. I still don't know what to believe. I don't think he was just an awkward guy looking to make a friend. He mainly scarred me, and now I'm insanely selective about what male friends I have. This, unfortunately, isn't the last time I was stalked by an older guy, but that's a story for another time. The strangest thing is... And what really creeps me out is something that happened a couple of months after Jake was banned from being around me. My sister and I were outside in the yard playing around, doing some fantasy game we had came up with, when suddenly out of the corner of my eye I noticed something. Our yard had a lot of pine trees at the time, and there were two specially lined up at our playground. Well, I looked down and saw two sneakers with sweatpants sagging over the tops, sticking out from under the branches at the bottom. I was silent, cutting off whatever I had been saying to my sister and pointing out the shoes to her. Her face went white. I pointed to her house and she nodded. We both ran like the hounds of hell were on our heels and slammed the front door shut behind us. We told my mom and we went outside to check to see whoever was standing in the trees was still there, but they were gone. No signs of anyone being out there. My mom thought I was hallucinating, and I would have too, if it wasn't for the fact that my sister had saw it as well. I have a feeling that it was Jake in the trees. It honestly wouldn't surprise me. We didn't report this to the school since we had no evidence, but this always haunted me. My sister and I rarely played outside after that. We were too creeped out by the day's events. I only ever saw Jake a few times after that, when I was a freshman and he was a senior. And occasionally, I'd be walking the opposite way from him, in the halls. When that would happen, I would just look down at the floor until I was sure he was gone. I never wanted to chance a conversation with him. But after he graduated, I never saw him again. Jenny gradually became more normal. And by the time she was a freshman, I forgave her, and we became friends again. We aren't as close as we used to be, but she's a decent enough person now, and isn't stalkerish. And that's how I was stalked by a high schooler when I was in middle school. An event that scarred my young mind and is still fresh as ever in my head. So to the weird, socially awkward dude who decided to obsess about me for months on end, I hope I never see you again.
I'm a 23-year-old female. I was born in a small town in the middle of nowhere and raised to always be polite to everyone, engage in conversations if someone wants so, and to not make a scene in public, but rather always handle things quietly so not to disturb anyone else. This might work in small towns where everyone knows everyone and nobody really is a threat, but when I moved to a big city to get my bachelor's degree, I soon had to learn that be nice and always answer everyone might not be the best way to go in every case. This particular encounter happened in my second week in the new city when I was at the mall getting a few clothes and supplies. I had basically moved with nearly nothing. Always being surrounded by a large group of strangers was a new thing for me and to be honest it was quite intimidating at first but I soon felt comfortable with the anonymity it provided. Until that day, when I noticed someone was staring at me, not just looking, but really staring while slightly smiling. I was 19 at the time, and maybe not ugly, but definitely not someone that got regularly stared at, so I didn't really know how to react, since it was a kind of attention I've never gotten before. This guy was probably in his late 20s, and looked pretty normal, but still, it made me feel really uncomfortable and self-conscious. I suddenly tried to check if my zipper was open or my makeup was smudged and maybe that could be the reason why he looked at me. After I could rule out these possibilities and arrived on the upper floor of the mall, I decided just to ignore him and get my stuff done. Well, that premise soon failed as he managed to cut me off right when I was about to enter the store. He introduced himself. Let's call him Steve for this story. He told me that he thought I was pretty and wanted to get to know me. I wasn't interested since I got strange vibes from him, so I politely told him that I was flattered, but not interested. Steve then got very pushy about it, insisted that he would go buy us coffee, and afterwards I could still turn him down, and how I couldn't possibly say I wasn't interested if I didn't give him a chance. I tried to say no a few more times, but he kept on trying to convince me, until I decided to let him buy me coffee. I hoped it would be easier to get out of if he got his way. I know this is absolutely frustrating to hear because it's frustrating writing this, but just the way I was raised, the sheer anxiety led me to believe that this was the only solution and that everyone always has the best in mind and that maybe he was even right. Looking back, I was incredibly naive and just plain stupid. So if you're screaming at the screen right now, just know that I do too and I've since learned and know better. So we went to the mall's McDonald's to get coffee and I soon began to realize that this decision was stupid. He let me lead the way, following me closely. So even if I tried at this point, there was no possible way to discreetly vanish into the crowd. It wouldn't have felt much different if he had held a gun in my back, I thought at that moment. So we get our coffees, sat down at a table far away from the entrance, but not too far in the back, so the bathroom was still in the other direction than the entrance. Plan B, to just quickly go to the bathroom, but actually leave was now impossible to do, since he had a good view of the bathroom doors from his seat. So we sat there and talked, actually he talked, and I quietly drank my coffee. It was as awkward as it could possibly be. I tried to be hella boring so that he would lose interest, just randomly giving short answers and being on my phone, sending my location to a friend of mine just in case, and scrolling through Facebook. Steve couldn't be irritated by my behavior and kept on talking about how he was only in the city for some weeks now because of his work and about stuff he did for his job. I didn't get all of it because we weren't from the same country and he spoke with a very heavy accent. 
I also didn't really pay attention to everything. He seemed sort of genuine though. Not necessarily as if he had bad intentions, just generally very, very pushy. So at one point, I made a huge mistake and giggled at something I saw on my phone. And when he asked, I showed him the post on Facebook. This gets relevant later on. When I had finished my cup, I excused myself. Thanked Steve for the coffee, but told him I still wasn't interested. I still thought that being nice was the best way to get rid of him as quick as possible without making him angry or something. The last thing I wanted to do was cause a scene or make the situation even more uncomfortable. So I made my way to the exit when he gently but firmly grabbed my arm and started walking beside me to the exit while telling me that we should exchange numbers and ask what my plans were for the rest of the day. At this point, my mood started shifting from uncomfortable to afraid. Unfortunately, my instinct in critical situations is neither fight or flight, but more like deer in the headlights. So I froze and said the first thing that came to my mind after looking around for a second. Opposite to the McDonald's we were in was a huge bookstore that stretched over two floors and had a huge space on both of them. From an earlier visit, I had seen the layout of the store and knew that there was a lot of corners and shelves. You could easily and quickly get out of someone's sight and it's also fairly crowded at this time of the day. So I told Steve, still nice and nonchalantly, that my favorite author had published a book recently and I couldn't wait to get it, so I was going to visit the bookstore. Steve answered with something along the lines of, Great, let's go there. I haven't read a book for way too long, and told me that he would pay for mine. So we entered the bookstore and I sort of look around, read some descriptions, and encouraged him to also look around but he wouldn't leave my side. I tried to distract him by giving him the books I looked at so that he would have to look at them and put them back on the shelves while I was already on the move to the next shelf. I did this in an always increasing speed until I noticed he couldn't really keep up for any longer and was visibly confused and a little overwhelmed. As soon as he paid more attention to the books than me, I freaking booked it out of there, pun absolutely intended. I almost ran through the store, hiding behind bookshelves, peeking out and checking if he followed me, simultaneously feeling like a super cool secret agent and the biggest idiot of all time. At one point, I could actually see him moving quickly through the store looking for me. I arrived at the counter in the back of the store where you could pick up reserved books and the girl that was working there saw me. I just said, someone's following me. Without missing a beat, she opened the little door that led behind the counter and with a movement of her hand, told me to get inside. I did and ducked under the counter and tried not to make a single sound. The employee continued working as normal and actually seemed as if there were scared little girls sitting under her desk hiding from creeps all the damn time. After a while, she casually said, 5'11", short, dark brown hair, brown eyes, flannel and jeans, and I needed a moment to realize that she was talking to me and describing Steve. I nodded and she told me that he was here some minutes ago, obviously looking for something. But she had saw him leave through the front doors, which she could see in the distance. She also told me how she got bad vibes from him and instantly knew it was him who was following me. She told me that I could stay under there until I felt safe. I took the offer and we talked a bit. Just small talk really, about how our days were, and she recommended me some of her favorite books. 
when I got it from under the counter, I actually bought one of the books she recommended and read it some weeks later. I loved it. When I went home, I was looking around carefully since I was still trembling from the earlier adrenaline and was afraid someone could start following me or Steve was still around somewhere and actually found me again. The anonymity of the city no longer gave me comfort but made me anxious. I desperately wanted someone around that I knew and who could give me the feeling of safety again. But I didn't really know anyone here yet. So I called my best friend to just talk to her and finally tell her about the reason I sent her my location earlier. Later that day, I had a new friend request and many messages in my inbox. My stomach turned when I read the name, Steve, and realized that he must have found me by my profile picture or something, which he saw earlier when I showed him the Facebook post. You can be sure I blocked him instantly, locked my door extra carefully that night, and didn't close my eyes for a minute. I didn't hear from him again until I saw him almost a year later on the bus I take on my way home every day. I noticed him the same way I did the first time in the mall. I felt him staring and smiling at me. He tried to get through to me, walked beside me when I got off the bus, and talked to me. But this time I ignored him and told the next huge guy that crossed my way that this Steve guy was harassing me. Thankfully, only a glance of that guy and the fact that I didn't let it be a private issue but made it sort of public by involving a third party, it was enough to scare Steve off. I don't know if it was a coincidence that he was on the same bus as me or if he somehow got to know the district I lived in, but I never saw him again, this time for good. Was he trying to harm me? Did he have bad intentions? Or was he just trying to make a friend and had absolutely no clue how to do so? Were we possibly utterly lost in translation? I don't know. But luckily there's a few things that I do know now. After I had been in this situation, I have spoken about this encounter a few times, but always made it out to be this funny story where some guy followed me and I had to hide in the corner of a bookstore to get rid of him. It's just how I deal with scary things. I make them funny. People always laugh, but this is not funny at all. Every second of it was absolutely terrifying, and I wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy. I felt scared. I felt unsafe. I felt like my privacy was invaded, and it really put a damper on my first excitement about living in the city. It also massively changed the way I talk to people, and the way I just walk around town. It doesn't matter how many times your mother told you to be polite and quiet, it's just not always the solution. If you don't feel safe, if you don't want something, don't agree to it just for the sake of politeness. Being polite doesn't mean letting a stranger overstep your boundaries and make you feel uncomfortable. If you can't make it out of the situation quietly, don't be afraid to raise your voice and get attention or by asking others for help. Don't be afraid you could make it feel uncomfortable for someone by doing this. Most people are nice and will actually help you. Wrong politeness and silence won't save you. But Natalie from behind the counter in a bookstore and a random intimidating guy on his way home most definitely will. Natalie and the bearded guy, if you're out there, you're heroes and I adore you. Nobody, especially not a stranger, is entitled to your attention. If you don't want to talk to them, don't fucking talk to them, no matter how much they try to push you or convince you. Even if it hurts their feelings or they say that you will change your mind about them. In this case, there's no trying to say no. There's only saying no. Don't make the same mistakes I made when I was 19 and so ridiculously naive. 
Treat people with respect, but also treat yourself and your own feelings, boundaries, and concerns with respect. To add, One of Us is Lying by Karen McManus is an insanely good book and everyone should read it. Natalie says so too. Now I no longer joke about this and it actually makes me really uncomfortable thinking about. But I'm also sort of glad this happened to raise my awareness in these situations and that in the end, nothing more serious happened.